something like in my in our case when we wrote down exactly what we wanted when when it becomes that real to you that you can see it i mean we could visualize what this store looked like before we even had it like it, it was so real to us it's like you're willing to put ego aside or whatever else you have to do in order to see it come to fruition regardless of whether i won the essay competition that store was too real for me when i got to imagine it for me to just put put myself at it before it and say well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna reach out i'm not gonna do this anymore because they didn't award it to me it's like no I'll find a way to get this created now because I believe it's worth it and I can't can't give up on it. So anyway. From Harold Washington to Harold's Chicken and everything in between and beyond, sociology is the exploration of Chicago culture, history, legends, stories, and fiction through a myriad of discussions with Chicagoans themselves. Two black men from the south side of Chicago dared to boldly go where no black Chicagoan had gone before, and that's to own a comic book store. Captain Marcel Kirk and Michael Superman to Don Davis are the co-owners of Blur's Underground, which is not only the only black-owned comic book store in Chicago, but it's the only black-owned comic book store in the entire Midwest. On this episode of Sociology, Mike and Marcel share their zeal for comics, but not only that, how it's their mission to make comics more accessible to the south and west side of Chicago and black people across the nation. So without further ado, let's dive right into that story. You know, when y'all first fell in love with comics, like before we even get to the comic book store, you know, let's just take it way back when, you know, y'all kids, teenagers, when did y'all fall in love with comics, comic books and superheroes, the whole nine yards? Phil, you want to start? I think my medium was uh, like, I guess fall in love with like the whole idea of it was the uh, X-Men cartoon. Uh, like I will always pick up like some some comics in. I remember on 79th, okay. uh, Dan Ryan, me and my sister used to catch the bus and it was, uh, you know, one of them little twirly joints. Um, they used to sell like candy and all that stuff, but they had like comic books, like very basic, maybe like eight to, to 12 selection book. Okay. Joyce was a dollar twenty-five, and so I was watching X Men cartoon. I saw X Men comic book. I saw Wolverine on the cover, and I was like, "Man, let me go ahead and check this out." Mm -hmm. And at the time, you know, what I'm saying I ain't number six. I'm kind of just flipping through. I'm loving like the pictures because I used to draw a lot. And then you start like reading the stories, and then you start understanding like, man, it's a continuation. It's a continuation to like these stories. Um, so like my falling in love with it was just off the the creativity, the artwork. Mm -hmm. um, and then later on, as I mature, uh, for sure, like the, the storyline, but I wanted to mimic the artist, right? Like, so I look at a picture and I try to draw in their style until like I develop my own. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was that was my intro slash falling in love with it was creativity, I think was what I admired the most. And the damn, that dang on cartoon was amazing. <laughs> it was, it was. Huh? Yeah, my, mine is similar to sales, uh, just a little different. I mean, obviously I think any any child of the, the, the late 80s, early 90s was impacted by X-Men, the animated series, Batman, the animated series, or Spider-Man. Like those cartoons on Fox back in the day, that, that set the tone for a lot of us to get into the comics and learn more about the characters. But when I was a, when I was a kid, um, for me, Superman 
Christopher Reeves, the movie, the motion picture, it was like the biggest film for me ever. Like I grew up rocking Superman capes, running around the house trying to fly. And those movies from, from that way back when, like those were my entry to like those characters. And then it led into comics later because my mom actually discovered about second or third grade, sometime early, that I was having difficulty reading uh, and keeping up with with class trying to read. And so um, traditional stories just weren't doing it for me. And she tried something that she was into. My mother's a big fan of comics. And she's like, I got to find a way to get him to actually read. So she took the, the characters that I was running around the house trying to imitate and took me to a comic book store and introduced me to my first Superman comics. And that, to me, started my love for the actual comics because I get so into the art and the story that I didn't even realize how much I was reading, you know, until it was getting to the point where I'm walking out the comic book store with back stacks of books and like not even realizing my mom's sneak approach of like, I'm going to get this boy to read and, and up his vocabulary, whether it's in a written book or in a comic. And eventually it just, you know, became something that I, I grew into more. I, I wasn't like, still, I didn't have the ability to draw. <laughs> I could just appreciate the art, yeah. appreciate the storyline. And that's uh, that's how I got to read. Okay. Yeah, so, and I didn't properly introduce y'all. So this is Captain Marcel Kirk and Michael Dedon Davis. They are the owners of Blurs Underground in LaGrange, Illinois, which is why we're having this conversation, you know, and that's why we had to go way back to where it started, you know, so... Sale, you fell in love with the illustration end of it, you know, just the visuals. Whereas Mike, it was really like an educational tool for you, you know, so you can um basically, you know, get to the level where you, you need to be, you know what I'm saying, as far as like articulating words and things like that. And it's very noble that your mom, who was a, a comic book fan, you know, she used that. So like, that was like a creative way of like educating even before like this whole social media world we live in where, you know, so many different creative ways what kids can learn nowadays. So that's that's definitely what's up, man. So this is how y'all fell in love with comics. And y'all met in high school, correct? Yes. So how did that first encounter go when when um the Don met the captain? How did that go? <laughs> uh Mike, I'm almost I'm almost apprehensive to let Mike answer this first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, know why. Go ahead. Um yeah. Like, how do we, all right, so Mike, me and Mike was into the same stuff. Like, uh, I think Mike can attest to this. Like, I uh, was cool. You know, I did, like, this different cruise. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, I had my main, but, like, I I move around. I'd be in, like, movie review club or something like that. Like, I was just, like, that type of dude. Uh, Mike, um, he, I'm trying to see when me and him got close, because we was always cool. Okay. So I'm trying to give you like when did we get like when did it click? Like oh, you oh know, when did it now. click? <laughs> uh so Mike created, he was very, very crafty with IT uh computer stuff. And for and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but I remember like when you created this damn RPG game uh that you was on, he was on my butt about it. Like uh he was like, this your character, this what you can do with it, yada yada. So we got to chopping it up a lot off of that. But okay. to be honest, like that was like the start of it. But then Mike would do like some real cool stuff. Like I remember he helped me paint uh my mother hallway. I remember when we figured out that we could be roommates at Western. Like we really start digging into each other in different okay. ways, but we was always cool. But like when that click came in was when we kind of could foresee like, 
uh, you know, we rock off each other this way, but we got some common interests. But then I come to his crib, help him with something or, you know, get him some advice on something or he'll come to my crib, you know, and like this fool was putting paint to the wall. You know what I mean? I was like, all right, you know what I mean? Like, like, thanks. I'm talking about, we didn't know what the hell we was doing. Paint just all over. Like, I'm talking about decent clothes. We didn't uh, change or nothing. Oh, uh, man. And man, so I man. think, like, the click part was just, like, what we were willing to do uh, for each other in terms of, uh, you know, just being supportive. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's, but I can't give you, like, the next, I just knew, like, it was a lot of geeky stuff that we connected on, but yeah, when yeah, it clicked, yeah. like this, my man's was like, yeah. you at my crib type stuff and you talking to my mother and, you know, those interactions was very important for me. Yeah. Yep. yep. No, to echo that, it's exactly right, man. We were cool in high school. I think our our friendship evolved like over the four years. We probably got our closest at the last year when we were getting ready to graduate. We found out we were going to the same college and started discussing like, being potential roommates and that sort of thing but uh but this point i remember like you just find your people you find you because back then being a, a blurred a nerd whatever you want to call it right it wasn't popular fast. it wasn't fast it right was, like, yeah I, yeah, I, yeah. I, it wasn't cool like it was it was like you had to know who was into it to have certain conversations and you, you didn't want them heard by other people but it was like there was that dude i knew i could talk dragon ball z i could come to him we could debate gohan being a whack character not like like he was constantly defensive of Gohan and it, so you just I just learned that like you know the th- the stuff that I was into um like building closet RPGs like I was online on message boards trading RPGs that was always my thing yeah. you know I could get Marcel roped into that because I knew he had the same fantasy mind that I did so so we knew we had those interests I think you know where we started to become closer is once like you said once we start hanging out uh going to each other's houses and figuring out that like aside from the art form, like we were actually just really cool. Like we, we both, you know, I mean, just took care of, you know, family and friends in the same way. And so it was like a natural, like coming together. At some point we just decided, yo, you, you my guy. <laughs> we go like, right. we together. Like, like we locked in at this point. We locked yeah. in. We yeah. friends, and it's a bonus that we both share love for comics. Yeah. So yeah. like, how, how, was, how was those conversations? I'm sure y'all was probably were like up all night just talking about some, you know, story arts, you know, different issues, like, you know, I'm sure like that was very exciting and enthusiastic, you know, mm-hmm. being two blurbs back in that day. Like you said, it wasn't popular like it was back then. So, yeah, but even to that point, like for me, I didn't like I know people's like closet, like blurbs and, mm-hmm. you know, like people was kind of like low key. That ain't something like you'll do and like front of a, a girl you interested yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. front of. But for me, like, I just did not care, bro. Like, I would, I'm talking about, I would draw that stuff out. I would talk about it. And I think that's what, like, that's how Mike knew. Because he just knew, like, he knew because I, yeah. I mean, I just, I, I got to be Yeah, no shame in your game. So, yeah, it was like, I got to be myself. Like, everybody I dealt with from any circle knew, like, yo, I was about that life in terms <laughs> of, you know, anything uh, blurred them. Like I rock with it. And so yeah, like Mike, he could pick me out of the lineup. You know what I mean? I wasn't like rocking the stuff or nothing, but I would talk about it in any circle I hear, even an inkling, somebody say, Man, you gonna do that command mail? Like, bro, you watch, you know what I'm saying? Like, because it, it's like people say like subtle stuff. Yeah. Like, like, man, don't you better stop playing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for sure. No doubt. And you know, it's kind of like you know, RDC world, shout out to them, you know. Yes. Uh, 
they are very huge nowadays and it just seems like you know i ain't gonna say ahead of the wave because y'all was a different time anyway y'all was a different generation they're younger than y'all but it's like y'all was pretty much on that same wave though like you know and again like individuals like y'all selves kind of um laid groundwork because i don't think being a blurred black nerd you know mm -hmm. would be as popular as it is today if it wasn't for a lot of people like you guys that was like heavy into that you know that world you know um like me per personally i love comic books but i'm not gonna say i was a blur not because you know i thought it was weird but it's just i never was that deep in it though you know mm -hmm. like i would like just watch a couple cartoons here and there but i wasn't collecting the issues the volumes none of that my cousins would do stuff like that y'all would do stuff like that and it's like you know y'all was doing this in 2003 four five and six now we here we are 2023 and everybody want to be a blur now right. i was letting everybody you know everybody <laughs> popular nah, everybody yeah. want to watch anime everybody want to you know do this everybody love marvel xyz you know so yeah um okay so cool so that's that's how the friendship started so like as we progress through the years at what point did y'all start to talk about you know what we should have our own comic book store you know mm -hmm. at what point did those conversations start man uh so you mind if i say though mm -hmm. um so it's weird we Still, and I've had like conversations about all sorts of businesses and different things we want to do. And sell, sell, and tell you, I've had like a million. We could do this, we could do that. It's like yeah. business ideas over the years, yeah. and and it's weird. We never, of all the things we used to discuss, the idea of becoming a comic book store owner, I don't think ever came up until just a few years ago because it was always something we loved, but it, we never saw ourselves as wanting to get into the business of it. And I don't know why that that spark never happened naturally, but actually, what ended up happening is. Um, one day I'm watching the news and there's a news story about this guy who owns a comic book store. Uh, he, he owned three and there was a store near me in Oakland that he didn't have the, the time, you know, to really invest in anymore. So instead of just closing it, he was going to do a, a giveaway and have people write an essay saying, what would their ideal comic book store be? And the winning essay um, would just get the comic book store from him. And I'm thinking like, First, first thing in my mind is like, this was scam shit. Like, I, there's, no, there's no way the South side of me couldn't compute somebody who's giving away a perfectly good business. I'm like, right, right, right. Right, right yeah, because where we come from, that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like, nah, my man's scamming somebody. I'm like, it ain't going to be me. I'm I'm, I'm just, I'm laughing about it. I wouldn't even take it seriously. My wife yeah. is the one that looked at it and was like, no, this looks legit to me. As a matter of fact, she's like, that's all you and your little friends do anyway. It's talking about comics. She's like, right. She's like, I dare you to, to write the essay for it. And um, and so I'm like, all right, you know how it is when somebody dare you to do something. I'm like, all right, bet. My, my wife know how to motivate me. So I go ahead and I start writing an essay and I tell Marcel about it. And he's excited. He writes an essay and, and we, we submit the essay. Neither one of us won it. But it was it was something that like once we started investing into the into the essay and like really imagining what a store would look like in our image, then it became almost impossible for us to to not see ourselves as owners of the store. So like mm. even during the pandemic when the world shut down, and I mean if there was any industry that was already on life support that you just thought would just end, it would be comic book stores. It was like we never abandoned the idea even then that, that we could be owners because we always felt that there will always be a need for these books and that representation matters they, that we've never, Marcel and I had never walked into a black owned comic book store ever. And once we realized that we could make history by doing this, in addition to just doing it for the love, it was like, yo, we got to find an avenue to make this work. So that, that's how I remember it. But still, 
you'd add any more context to that? Um, no, nah, I, I definitely um agree with you. Like, like Mike, like for real, be like the brainchild. Like, yo, let's <laughs> let's try this. Let's try that. Right. Uh, I think what we to answer your question, like, what did we think that we was capable, or that this was something for us? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it really came down to us being in a position where we was like comfortable in our first careers too. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like mm -hmm. that part, like kind of mastering our crafts and the careers that we kind of started in. I know for me, like mine is a, is a passion. However, it's a lot of things you can be passionate about. You don't have to be passionate about just one, you know, path. And I feel like, um, once we got comfortable enough and settled, whether it was family and things like that, we start really digging into it. We always talked about it, but we start like digging into different avenues to uh, express, express on or invest in our passions. Um, and I would say that came like late twenties for us. Uh, where we kind of started chatting about it in early thirties where we start kind of, you know, going from one thing to another and to like that, that thing. But the one thing that never stopped with us, we always made connections with people. Like, I feel like that was the blessing within our natural skill set and our natural passion, like connecting with people that yielded the results of, damn, stuff just lined up this way. And yeah, you know, I think it came down to that. So yeah, I say early 30s, we started that path. And you know, they say the 30s is like when you really find yourself anyway. At least I can attest to that personally. You know, um, I feel like I'm just now settling into my career and you know the lane that's been paved out for me so that definitely makes sense and um you know it two black men from the south side of chicago owning the comic book stores is something that you hear every day you know um obviously honestly i don't think nobody has heard it until y'all did it so you know both of y'all wrote these essays both y'all got degrees and neither one of y'all won <laughs> so <laughs> So you would think the story ends there, but what happened after the essay competition um, after that blew over? Yeah, so uh, so what happened, I became a professional stalker, like most. It was like once once I found out that we didn't get the store, I figured, well, that's okay. I'm still going to reach out to the guy who, who was going to give it away in the first place, and he's going to be my new best friend. Like I'm, I'm going to find out how to get in this business one way or the other because I couldn't, again, I couldn't give up on the ideas, neither because Marcel... So I slid in them DMs, man. I hit the guy up. I'm like, hey, I know I didn't get your store, but I love to just sit down, buy you coffee, and talk to you about how we can get involved in this because, you know, we at some point want to be owners. And so I was surprised when he when he reached back out and we started a friendship. Uh, his name was Carmelo Tamara. And, and it, it just turned into something where he'd meet with Marcel and I. We'd come up with ideas. And there's there are a lot, there's a lot of things to, to this project that we – we put in the phases because you know some of what we want to do with this project has to do with the community and trying to get you know um, art and literacy education to kids on the south side so much so that when we were talking to him about the idea for the business when when we would talk about it we would talk about intentionally having it in a black and brown community like south side chicago that's where we're from that's where we want to make these comics accessible too right and so the guy eventually went from just giving away one of his stores to closing all of them. And he was getting ready to close his last store in LaGrange until we were just sitting at dinner one night and having a conversation about it. 
And at first I just asked him, could we work it a little bit just to learn how the business operates and, you know, the point of sale system. And, and finally just dawned on all of us sitting at it like, no, we, we, maybe we should buy the store. Instead. Like maybe we should strike some kind of like agreement here because there might be something to us actually owning that store, even though it's not where we wanted it to be physically. Um, it, it'd be an opportunity for us to get into the business, to learn it at a lower entry point than just creating a brand from scratch. And so that, that I think led us naturally into like becoming now owners of uh, Blurred Underground. We actually bought Camara Comics in LaGrange and kept it from closing and have rebranded it to be uh, Blurred Underground. Mm. Wow. Man, Mike, Mike need to give himself a little bit more credit. We came in that thing with a plan. It did. <laughs> we, <laughs> That's true. We, we ain't coming that like. We didn't come in there like, man, we're gonna get a store out this conversation, right? But we did know the trans we did know the transition transition was happening. Yeah. So a lot of those uh conversations, like me and Mike talked before, like how we wanted to go into it. Um, and it was just about like the the merchandise, really, you know, and because he needed somewhere to store it, and it was just gonna be all these different avenues, and even using that to like kind of filled into the non-for-profit piece we was trying to get into initially it just took a hard left good left right in the middle of the conversation because whiskey whiskey does some things uh <laughs> when you chatting and uh it got it just got deep and mike mike is right like the master was like why like why close it and we kind of leaned in on that but like i said those relationships leveraging your relationships and the sincerity behind him is very important because he knew how passionate we was about it. So he ain't even bad at act. He was like, Dad, that sound, yeah, yeah. Like, and then it just kind of flowed from there. And, you know, I, I just want to hit real quick on the power of relationships. You know, uh, I mean, honestly, this podcast has happened because of power of relationships. You know, I've known both of y'all personally for years. And, you know, it's an honor that, you know, obviously y'all achieved this feat that I know y'all um. But, you know, I think a lot of people don't really understand the magnitude of that. At least I didn't understand the magnitude of it until recently in my 30s, like I said a few minutes earlier. You know, y'all really achieved y'all dream. And not saying it couldn't have happened at all. You know, it, I'm sure it still possibly could have happened. But y'all had a streamlined way of achieving y'all dream simply because of the power of relationships, right? Because y'all refuse to, you know, have y'all ego collude, you know, in y'all minds, you know, y'all was like, you know what, we didn't win, it's cool, you know, a lot of people say, like, if you didn't win, like, you know what, F you, I'm gone, you know what I'm saying, but y'all still was like, you know what, let's build this bridge so that one day, possibly, we can cross it, and y'all crossed it, you know, and I think that's a very important lesson for a lot of people out there, regardless of their age, is utilize those relationships, man, build those relationships, for real, because I really feel like, I truly believe you can work hard all you want. You can be as creative all as you want, but without relationships, you ain't going nowhere. Yeah. And I truly believe that, especially in this world, man. Like without relationships, you ain't going nowhere. Absolutely. It's important. It's important to get into the business and to stay in business. I mean, like now that we're in it, all we're doing is networking. We've got librarians and school teachers and stuff coming in the store and we're networking and talking to them about opportunities and, and looking at how we expand. I mean, the power of that, that that relationship building is entrenched in being a small business owner. Like, it's the only way for you to survive. I think for a lot of us, it becomes, um, it's difficult, right? Like, taking that ego aside and being able to say, hey, 
I don't know the first thing about this business, but I'm willing to to like ask. I'm willing to put myself out there. Because when dude told us, like I said, when he didn't select us and, and we got the initial shock of like, well, we didn't win. <laughs> um, you know, it was never a thought to me like, well, I, I that, that just gives up the idea. I think part of it too is like, when you have something like in my in our case, when we wrote down exactly what we wanted, when when it becomes that real to you that you can see it. I mean, we could visualize what this store looked like before we even had it. Like it, it was so real to us. It's like you're willing to put ego aside or whatever else you have to do in order to see it come to fruition. Regardless of whether I won the essay competition, that store was too real for me when I got to imagine it. For me to just put put myself at it before it and say, well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reach out. I'm not gonna do this anymore because they didn't award it to me. It's like, no, I'll find a way to get this created now because I believe it's worth it and I can't can't give up on it. So anyway, that's about it. Yeah. Um. So, you know, that's the beauty of it. You, you know, y'all went for it. You know, like Sales said, whiskey obviously was a, a business partner in this process. <laughs> um, <laughs> And you know y'all y'all got the store. You know can can we uh for a few minutes talk about some of the challenges? Cause you know we we say okay y'all got the store. You know like it's just okay give me the keys. No like can we talk about some of the challenges of not only running a small business but a comic book business? You know because again I don't think a lot of people understand when people think about comic books they don't even think about money. You know they just think like you said Wolverine Batman whoop de doo. You know um but. What are some of the challenges that you guys had to overcome in these early stages of acquiring this business? But not only just that, but keeping it growing, you know, keeping it going forward. Uh, I would say one of the initial challenges when you like buying off of somebody that already has like their brand, you know, how people receive like the look of that store, that location, like it has its own rep, you know, whether it's good, it's good and bad stuff with it. Right. And so trying to really rebrand something that's already in place in the vision of how we want to see it. Right. And also like the the challenge of that is too, like we coming in, you know, we still big dreamers and we had to really take a step back and understand like, yo, everything we want the store to look like, <laughs> We can't do that in the time frame that we will really want to, right? And so, like, really enjoying the the process of building on something else, and then people coming in and saying, like, "Oh, this this feel different, or this look different," or "Man, we love the way y'all run it," and things of that nature. So that was a one of the initial challenges, and then less the elephant in the room. We ain't really elephant. I mean, we didn't know up from down to be honest like a lot of it a lot of our stuff came from the people we purchased from like their support and uh those learning curves and some of the things that they were good at we really leaned in on and some of the things that they may have needed to work on we had to learn um and I, you can't read the market either you have to you can but you have to be really good with like numbers week to week and trends and what we think people gonna buy versus mm -hmm. you in the ordering process is what I'm talking to. It's like you can't predict it. It could look different in high part comic book store. What's trending there versus what trends in Lagrange because these readers have very uh particular taste, right? It's it's specific to like who they are and their DNA. What appeals to them and that looks different in different areas, you know. So. 
uh, I would say those are some of the challenges, just surface level ones. But Mike, I know you got a few more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, first of all, everything he just says, hundred percent. And and I'd even echo like the, especially like when we when we bought the business. Mm-hmm. What people gotta understand is like we bought it two weeks before it was supposed to close. So, <laughs> right. oh, so it was almost right. over with. Yeah. Right. He, he had a closing sale already. He was doing. He was he was advertising the stores closing. Mm-hmm. People were coming in, buying stuff off the shelf, expecting it to close. We bought the business two weeks before it was set to close. So we had two weeks to figure out how to switch all these licenses to our name, how to how the business works, how to make purchases, what are the point of sale systems, how do we get licenses to all yeah. the distributors. I mean, I could run a list of things that in two weeks we had to figure out. And then mind you, even though we had done all this preparation, I, I had done all this planning about what we wanted to sort of to, to act like and be and represent, the intricacies of like, point of sale systems and and how, how to order and manage inventory all of that was foreign to us so we we came in like wanting to keep the store open uh so that there would be no gap from us taking over and we had to learn a lot we had to trust and learn how the staff you know what staff was going to be there and how much we could trust them because the other thing that's been challenging uh that sale didn't allude to yet is that balance because as he as you stated earlier ne- neither of us worked the store full time he and I both have careers, you know what I mean? Like and families. Yeah. And families. And why, you know what I mean? So like our obligations outside the store keep us from being there every day. So we have to put a lot of trust into the staff that's there um, that they could run and operate the store efficiently while we were transitioning. And that's been a huge challenge too, because without our staff, we wouldn't have been able to do this. So I got to give a big shout out to our staff because they've kept us running. I mean, we we made a hire and one guy, Kevin, who's been amazing, but we kept on some staff that was working the store before and they've helped fill the gap for us while we learn more about the business because, you know, he and I aren't there 24-7. We're there as much as we, we can be, but it, that's been a big part, part of this too, is just learning what balance looks like for us now. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, that's huge. You know, like I said, the staff, you know, because in all businesses is always the front line to keep the businesses up afloat, you know. Um, and you know, so definitely, you know, it's a great thing that they received you guys well, and you know, you guys had that trust in them um to keep this ship going and so it doesn't sink in that transitional phase. I did not know that it was two weeks away from closing, though. I did not know that. I just thought it was his intention to close it, and then you know, that's when the deal started coming through. But uh wow, yeah, y'all definitely got in right before. <laughs> <laughs> right before it was night night. So, yeah. you know, you, you guys took full ownership in fall 2022. Um, so with that being said, you haven't had ownership of the store yet throughout a major uh, comic book theatrical release. You know, the MCU, uh, the DCU. I mean, I feel like Black Adam came out, like, what, maybe around the same time, you know. And um, what was the other movie? Black Panther. Right. right. What kind of forever. Um, I mentioned this because like how much of an influence do the movies have on comic book sales? You know, so like when a new movie comes out in the in the industry, does it trend upward that comic books sell more? Like how does that work? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> it, like I say, it's it's hard to predict, but um 
do people does it pique their interest for sure black adam was out like we had people buying a little bit more of the black adams even some of my, like my closest friends like man i want to know what this character about man let me get, what, what's a graphic novel you re recommend mm -hmm. so do you do does the store need to kind of move in a way similar uh, cinema is moving right like uh the the movies Yes, I would say when if it's a Black Panther coming out, if it's a Black Adam coming out, when Ant Man coming out, we gonna have Ant Man like sections and things of that nature. It's just a smart move because if you notice, the reason why it's popular now, like and it's cool to be into anime and it's cool to be into comics, is because the movies have normalized like just that stuff being appealing through a, a great. Uh, execution and artful execution of the of like who these characters are so yes you gotta stay with where it's trending um but you also got to be aware like these true comic book people they don't care what they mm. coming out they gonna get the stories that that hit with them yeah. so you're not having people that's really uh, into Black Adam, getting Black Adam comics just because of nah, they gonna be right. buying Black Adam from year one to year five if they really love the character. Mm -hmm. um, but for people that's not as into comic books, they'll the Akira will stop on the dime, on the dime, and see a character that they saw on a cartoon in the window. Oh, mom, that's 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 Black Panther. Or, oh, that's mm -hmm. Captain America. And they will stop. Sometimes they'll just come in. Like, do you have any, you know, of this? So it's kind of like, you know, stay ready so you ain't got to get ready type mentality, right? Like, I know a movie coming out. All right, no, I'm going to set up that section of the store. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and just real quick, too, while we're talking about movies and the power and the impact of movies, that's actually part of what inspired us to think about um, becoming owners of a store. For me, at least, I remember when we were first going through the idea for this is when Black Panther's first movie came out. Okay. And I was thinking about the experience of for the first time, what I mean, one of the biggest blockbuster selling movies of Marvel's history was Black Panther One. Broke all sorts of records, right? And I was thinking, like, of all the millions that that movie made, the the black film crew, the directors, and all the actors, it was great to see. But then you saw all this this interest in Black Panther's character. And I started thinking about all the, the comics that were sold, the merchandise, how you seeing kids showing up, you know, Halloween dressed as Black Panther and throwing you the Wakanda Forever symbol. And I started to think like, while it, while I appreciate and I'm glad that all the, the money from the movie went to, to Black producers and directors and, and actors and actresses, all of the, the subsequent trickle down money that went to the comics, the merchandise and the toys and all that were going to stores predominantly owned by white men. I mean, if we talk about comic book stores, Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was more like how, even though these stories are becoming more diverse and we're starting to see, you know, black superheroes on film more and more often, yeah. how much of those dollars from their comics, their merchandise, the trademarks are getting put into black businesses. And the truth is hardly any. And so that to me was a big reason too, for what we're doing is like, we're trying to now capitalize from the movie and all the merchandise that's being sold so that it doesn't just stop at the, the movie and the actors and actresses that we can actually put businesses in our neighborhoods to also, you know, generate some wealth from all of that excitement and that buzz around seeing us represented on screen. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and that's 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 a huge point, um, because it's like, think about it. The movies are only popular because the comics made it popular. 
and now the comics are popular because the movies is so it's like a full circle event and it's like so it just comes right back to the same square root which is you know there is no black ownership um on the comic book level or the merchandising level you know and um so that's why it's like so you know refreshing that you guys had the courage to go forward and do what you do because because Marcel, you mentioned the um comic book store in Hyde Park. Honestly, that's not not only is it the only comic book store I see, but it's I don't see no other comic book stores really because I don't, my mind isn't really affixed to see comic book stores like that. You know, maybe it's because I'm not a true blur, but you know that's that was really the only one I ever saw. Well, no, because, not to interrupt you, but I, I think this is a really really good point that you're making. I want to just drill into a little bit that perception that you have is very real because a lot of comic book stores don't exist in Chicago in their neighborhoods where we're at. The High Park location for First Aid Comics, for those listening, um, is not Black-owned, but it's in a Black neighborhood. So for many of us who, who were into this, that's where we had to travel to get books if we weren't going to the suburbs. For me personally, every comic book store that I, I had to go to when I was a kid was in Oakland or Evergreen Park or some other predominantly white you know, sub suburb. So when we talk about like perception and why why black kids aren't into it, I, I talk to people all the time about this because they say um, when when I tell them my my goal or our goal is to like have a store on the south side, they say, well, black kids aren't really into that. And 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 I've heard this from people like we don't do that. Black kids don't do that. And, I, and my thing is like, not only do we do it, the reason why you don't see it and others don't see it and perceive it that way is because we've never had a store in our neighborhood that's never had that space. Never had exactly. That. They don't exist. So it's like, it's easy to write it off and say, well, Black kids aren't into this because we don't give them the outlets. We don't give them the space where they can go and express that creativity in their neighborhoods without having to go to Hyde Park, for instance. So now that I just want to make that point because that's important. Yeah, yeah, real talk. Because, you know, that's that's really all I'll ever see. Um so the fact that you guys have this in LaGrange, you know, it's a West suburb, but nonetheless, we got something. And I say we as in the Black community, we got something. I mean, it's just the facts. Um, and, you know, and I was just real curious on how the trends work with the movies, because, again, the comics are the reason why the movies even became a thing in the first place. And honestly, that's why a lot of people know about the comics now is because of the movies. So it's just like that full circle, you know, yeah. um, spectrum. So, yeah, like, we're in January now as we record this and, you know, Marvel has a huge slate coming out. You know, I think it's what, phase six, you know, starting with Ant-Man. Um, I think Loki season two is coming out this summer, you know, um, you know, and so on and so on. So it's like going to be very interesting to see how those trends go. So with that being said, like what, what are some goals? If Have you guys even talked about some concrete goals for 2023 for the store? Um, like some things that you guys would like to see achieved with Blurs Underground? Mm. Yeah, so it's a couple of things. Um, I know, and, you we know, wanna... we ain't, ain't got to reveal no confidential stuff, you know. Just no, like... no, no. I mean, we want to do, we want to do a, a, a community, it, we want to do an event per quarter. I know we okay. talked about that, like making sure that we keep uh, events on the forefront in terms of this is more than just a store it's a space where you can you know have a good time it's a space where you could do uh, different things i know at least for this year 2023 like i definitely think programming for kids need to be a uh, part of what we're doing um, and i know we're already looking into like sponsoring some schools and also using all this extra 
you know, inventory that we have to do some programs in schools that's not, you know, in LaGrange. So both like schools in LaGrange, but also, you know, I I work at a school. So like it will, I would be remiss if I didn't like double back and do mm-hmm. uh, kind of like an arts program with the kids and kind of hang their stuff up in the store and things of that nature. But that's just a to be honest, a lot of the stuff that we are going to do this year is testing the field, right? We need to see what appeals to kids that look like us. Kids are into it. They draw it all day. They got uh, anime, mangas, all that stuff up. The I'm talking about it don't matter what school you go to. That's that's what kids are drawing. That's what they're creating. You got some great writers. Um, so really tapping into those skill sets of the youth um seeing what they're interested in see what they bought into and then how do we push that for once we figure it out um but for me personally i would i would love to at least have one sample size of kid you know output and creativity and how do we harness that and do it in different settings that'd be amazing one in 20 yeah and and one other thing I, i can i can share i can reveal uh, to you all listening only, this is an exclusive for sociality. Exclusive. <laughs> exclusive. No, we we wanna we wanna partner with artists and writers. Um, so we're gonna be doing some community focus events where we have um, artists, illustrators like Eve Ewing, who's a very popular writer right now for Marvel. Uh, Black woman, South Side Chicago, born and raised, wrote for Ironheart, is wrote uh, written now for Photon. Uh, we're going to be trying to reach out to her and her people to do, you know, some sort of art event for us and signing events. Because what we want to do is we want to link together the creatives. Chicago has a huge creative scene. There are a lot of writers, yeah. animators, and artists that come out of Chicago, and you just would never know, right? And so what we want to do is is get them in front of kids to say, like, if this is a path that you want to go down, like, there's a way you can make a career out of it. We want to build programming around the idea of ownership, even at their age, so that they can start to see their, their content, even at their young age, on shelves next to the big Marvels and DCs of the world. Like, I want to make sure that that's an important part of the programming that we do this year. Um, we're also for a free comic book day, which is a huge event for those not familiar with comics. Okay. May 6th, uh, it's May 6th this year, but yeah. once a year, all of the publishers do this huge free comic day um, and, and they they partner with all the stores like ours to get all these exclusive comics in stores and give them away for free for people who are coming in. Wow. Uh, so, I never so, knew about that. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah it's a big deal. Okay. Huge deal. Um, every store gets a ton of inventory for Marvel and DC and they print a book uh, for all your favorite characters that you can do that we as a store give away for free. And it's a chance for people to get an entry point into comics. Like if you haven't been a huge fan, but you want to start someplace, a lot of number ones come out on free comic book day, a lot of background stories on characters you didn't know about. So, and it's a way for you to just get a collection of books for free, basically from any store that you can get to and different stores will have different books. So we're going to do a huge event for that. It's May 6th. Uh, We'll be doing a huge event at the store and we've got a ton of inventory. We're already ordering and t-shirts and giveaways that we're going to do for that. So those are, those are two big things that we're going to do within this year for the business. That sounds exciting. And again, because I never, you know, my mind was never fixed to comic book stores. I never knew about that, you know, and that's that's huge. And that's again, like you made the comment about how someone said, oh, black kids don't, you know, read comics, which we know is false. But that's something that's never been exposed to black kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, can you imagine like, you know, 
if that was exposed on the south and the west side of Chicago, like how many kids yeah. will take advantage of that? I mean, it's about access. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. To be honest, like the kids want it, but what store can they go to to exactly. rap? Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, and who's gonna actually, you know, to like, you know, if if you ain't got no means of transportation, how are you gonna get to a Lagrange or to an Evergreen or to an Oak Lawn? You know what I'm saying? Like, all right. Yeah. So that's and that's so so when we bought the store in Lagrange, one of the things Marcel and I talked about being intentional about was making sure that we were a mobile store. Like we okay. we we want to operate yeah. and, and service the people of Lagrange. It's a great community. But our original mission to make comics more accessible is, isn't going anywhere. What we want to do is create a vehicle that allows us to go into schools, like Marcel was saying, that are on the south and west sides, partner with libraries, partner with special events that are happening within those communities to get the books that we have sitting in inventory. Because we've got a ton of books that, that aren't even in the store. we got storage lockers now of books. Like there, there's, so much, there's so much content out there that we amassed. And so rather than sitting on it, we want to get it out, make it mobile, take it to fairs, take it to book fairs, and take it to schools so that we can get it in the hands of the kids that need it until such a time that we can maybe expand the store. Because part of our goal in this isn't to stop Blurs Underground at just one store in the Grange. We want to build a franchise out of this. We want there to be multiple locations. So in the future, you might see a Blurs Underground in your neighborhood if you're on the south side of Chicago. That's the initial goal. Man, that's crazy that like y'all got storage lockers full of like content. You know, so y'all like Pablo Escobar. You know, y'all just got, you know, I got bricks everywhere. I mean, bro, we just we just went to a store that like blew our mind. Um, mm-hmm. a few days ago. Yeah, it's nonstop, man. It's it's so much history behind like this this platform. Like it's so many books, man. We. Even in our storage locker, like we just scratching the surface. We probably two thousands up. You know what I mean? It's wow. this, you know, but it's boxes and boxes of it, and it's mm-hmm. nonstop. Like man, we was like kids in the candy store, going just going through books for hours, and we weren't even reading them. It was just like man, all right, let's yeah. we stuff to take back to the store. Yeah, so man. just imagine, like we took a, took a few kids, <laughs> like to that, and it's like, look, just go through it, pick out, pick out about ten books, just fit, you know, figure out how 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 their eyes would get big. Just trying to find a book that appeals to them the most, it's, and it's I like Christmas. It's like Christmas Day, Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it's. That's a blurs. That's a blurs paradise right there. You know, for real. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and um. So also, I just want to hint real quick about the podcast y'all got blurs. Mm-hmm. You know, blurs is the word. You know, um, are we gonna see a resurgence of that possibly, maybe, and how that can intertwine with the store? Probably not. You no. Know? No. Nah, shoot. Don't don't get me going on blurs the word. Uh, <laughs> I know that's Mike. That's Mike and um our boy Jeff, as y'all know. Uh I I love the platform. I'm loved that I was even invited to do it. Like that's why I don't miss any episodes. It's this therapy, like literally yeah. for us, because we get to talk about things that we love um with the with this platform, but we also get to kind of like, you know, fellowship with each other. Yes. Oh, and I think that's that's the biggest part. And I think that's the part that appeals to like the people that do watch because you could tell like oh man, these dudes kind of get along. Um yeah, and, like they actually like, you know, it's not just for show. Yeah. Um, so you up, Mike, I already know, like I'm always asking, bro, we need to do this like in hey, two weeks, in hey, two weeks. <laughs> you, you want it. Hey, look. 
I might, I might be one of the co-hosts, but Captain Kirk is like is the driving motor. Like he, he will get us rallied around, like getting on the because it's hard. Well, you know, you, you have a podcast. I'm sure you understand. Like it's hard managing just a few schedules. When you talk about trying to get five or six brothers who all have careers, families, etc., into a room to talk, it is, it is difficult. But uh, not only have we, have we brought Blurs the Word back, which for those listening, Blurs the Word is a podcast. A bunch of black blurs that just get around, get together and talk about whatever's in the culture, whether that's a movie, yeah. a TV show, a comic, whatever. We just discuss it all. Now, we were doing that from my basement for years. I mean, we just in the basement and we didn't know the first thing about throwing up a podcast. It was just all trial and error. What surprised me is how quickly people started to listen and spread the word to the point where like we were getting people like out on the street. Like I'd, I'd run into people who are like, man, I listen to your podcast. Blur the word. I'm like, I had no idea that there were that many of us to take notice to share, and but it's become like this huge thing. Um, but what happened is um, I was a huge fan of this show back in the day, uh, AMC's Comic Book Men show. It was like just a group of white guys who owned a comic book store. Uh, okay. Kevin Smith would come by and they would they would talk about like different collections people bought in and stuff like that. And it came on after The Walking Dead, so I would always stay up watch that and just for you know kicks and giggles. But I said if I ever got a chance. I would love to do a podcast in the store I own, right? So now, mm-hmm. Blurs the Word is coming to you officially from the Blurs Underground. So when yes. we set up and we're doing our recording for the podcast, we're doing it in the store. It's like living out one of my fantasies right now because like we're discussing the culture in an environment and a space that we own. It's nothing, nothing I love doing more than that. Can't beat that, man. That's amazing. It's, it's literally, it's literally a dream come true. You know, um, and this is such a huge blessing that you guys are um, experiencing right now. And, you know, I'm happy for y'all, like real talk, because you got blurs is the word, blurs underground, you know, blurs world, you know, the the sky's the limit. You know what I'm saying? You know, know, the sky's the limit, man, for real. So, yeah, that's all of this is dope, man. You know, I was um, so I had three questions. And as y'all was talking, more was coming to me. So technically, I have six questions for y'all. We're going <laughs> to wrap up the podcast with these six questions. Now, right. each question is, I ain't going to say each one, but a couple of my loaded. So I know a couple of them, y'all going to have something to say. You know what I'm saying? So we're just going to start off basic. Uh, Mike, you go first. Who is your favorite comic book character ever? Just one. Uh, Superman. I said it earlier. He is to me one of the most interesting characters I've read and uh, who I would like to one day acquire the powers from. <laughs> okay. Okay. Marcel? Right now, Miles Morales. So Spider-Man. Spider-Man. But the Miles Morales specific yeah. Spider-Man. Okay. Okay. Why that one specifically? I mean, culturally relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, it really captures the sincerity, like what it means to be like a teenager, but also a teenager of color okay. um, on top of, you know, it, it gives a different, it's almost like they redid the Spider-Man origin mm-hmm. and current okay. uh, for, you know, kids. I would say it's appeal, be appealing to all kids, all shapes, sizes, and colors. But for me reading it, I'm looking like, man, when they say, let go, let God, Mm. on the panel like what mm. like that's something like your grandma your aunt would say to you you know what i mean yeah, 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 that yeah. that joint hit different yeah um yeah and so yeah mount reading miles morales right now like as an adult man all i want to do is i, I bought like three four copies like, i'm like i'm giving this to you giving it because i just want kids to like feel mm-hmm. that like dang man like this he they talking like they said nah nah you know nah you know like, all that <laughs> right stuff. right yeah yeah like, yeah God, oh, I, yeah, you know, I can hear yeah. it in my head. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Alice Morales right now is like, 
probably one of my favorite characters created in the last 20 years. Okay, so Su- Superman and Miles Morales, Spider-Man. All right, next question. What is an underrated comic book story arc, regardless of Marvel, DC, doesn't matter, but what's an underrated comic book story arc you feel deserves more attention? You can go first, Sal. Oh, you just hit me over the head. Uh, I told you, I had him locked and loaded. For me, uh, X-Men's second coming was... It, it's it's one of the best X-Men stories to me. They locked in a... I don't even want to get too deep, but essentially, mutants go down from millions of you know people, part of their species, to 198, give or take. Okay. And then they isolate them to San Francisco, put a dome over the whole city. I'm talking about over and under. Nobody can get in. And the only thing that gets in is people trying to assassinate and take out mm. like the rest of their people and like the resiliency that they had to show and like that story arc after all the stuff they've been through right like they had to fight for days had people scheduled to fight hours and hours on end by people trying to eliminate this like that mm. that joint like what it took for the heroes that you know you grew up watching on cartoons like yo these mods got some layers to them it wasn't just the fighting it was yeah, the yeah. The planning around it was really good, and that then the people like, that died, and it it hit home. It hit that home. sounds like worse than days of future past. Like, bro, that sounds messed up. <laughs> Look, X Men be having some depressing ass shit, man. Yes. But it's real though. Like, it's it's real because like it really relates to like you know oppression and you know uh, genocide and you know, yes. all that stuff that you know people of color had to endure. So. Yes, yeah, I'm gonna check it out. I never heard of that one. I'm gonna check it out. Thanks, man. Second coming. Check it out. Thank you for educating me. Mike, your turn. It's tough, man. I there's so many I think that don't get recognized, and and I'll say this as a as a broader point. I think I think we get too attached to brands like DC and Marvel. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that 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 I'm into is indie comics. Like I really yeah. love some of the, the 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 indies out there, like Saga. Uh, Philadelphia, a vicious circle. There, there's a ton of content that's on independent publishing brands that's okay. really well drawn, well written, but just doesn't have the made the major Marvel or DC stamp on it that gets overlooked. So if I'm asked that question personally, I throw one out uh, that I'm reading right now called Philadelphia. Uh, this guy Rodney Barnes who wrote um, he wrote the if you all are watching the show Wu Tang the American Saga he he wrote that. Um, he's written for American Gods and some other things. The guy's amazing, but he's he's writing a story right now about the city of Philadelphia, about a black detective who discovers that there's this underground cult of vampires uh, mm-hmm. that are that are living in and around Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and they're they're plotting to overthrow the government. And it's a it's a black story. It's it's really like really that. well drawn, well written, and it's just not as popular because you know again it's on an indie label. So what I would tell folks listening is. If you want to dive into some good storytelling, don't limit yourself to the characters that you might know from the big screen. Like, go to some of those indie walls and look around because you might find some of the stuff like Walking Dead, for instance. The Walking Dead was a popular TV show, but before that, it was a very popular manga that set on shelves that people might have walked past if they didn't know any better. So just familiarize yourselves with it. Ask the folks at the store and see what indie titles are popping right now because a lot of those are are better written, in my opinion, than some of the Mm. stuff that's coming out the major labels. Okay, okay, Philadelphia. I'm gonna check that out. I'm gonna um check that out as well as X-Men Second Coming. So thank you too for that. All right, the next one. Um who will win in a fight? Hulk or Doomsday? 
Mm. Mm. That's a tough one. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say hope. Even though I love, I love Doomsday Story, uh, one of my most popular Superman titles. I will say Hulk only because his ability to get stronger, the angrier he gets, and especially if you get into like the later years of Hulk when he was become he becomes intelligent and on his own. That intelligence plus his strength to me makes him a much more uh, adversary than than Doomsday, who's never really been that intelligent. From my and <laughs> like in this issue, he was a brilliant side. Like you might you might get me, but that's why I give it to the Hulk. So what do you think? Yeah, that's a tough one because Doomsday Doomsday evolves as he fights too. You know what I mean? Like he adjusts. Uh, you know, Hulk. I want to say Hulk. Um, I'm gonna go with Hulk. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the Green Machine. Two yes. and zero, two and zero. Okay, okay, two and zero. All right. Um, I'm gonna say this one for last. All right. Um, so I'll be remiss if I didn't mention the Dark Knight because it was filmed in Chicago. This is sociology, and we have the blurs on the episode. So, um, the Dark Knight was filmed in Chicago. What was y'all favorite scene from the Dark Knight? Oh, easily for me, there was that. It was that chase scene they did in Lower Wacker, bro. Like that was that was so Chicago. Number one, I've always been scared anytime I hit Lower Wacker Drive. Like <laughs> one of the most terrifying things about living in Chicago is if you end up in Lower Wacker and you on navigation hey, and just go out. Hey, tourists <laughs> call it the tunnel. They just like, yeah, I got trapped in the tunnel. I'm like, yeah, I get trapped in the tunnel too. So it happens. Yes, yes, yes. No, but that scene was amazing. Like, like having Joker come out with that rocket launcher, and he's like try to shoot a rocket at Batman when his Batmobile turns into a bad cycle and stuff. That that scene was amazing to me. That's probably my favorite of that that uh, that saga. Um, probably joke Joker for sure. Um, the scene you named Mike, that's definitely my favorite like action scene from the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, but when the dialogue in there when he was checking up how the criminals like he was. Oh, he was getting them in order, like yo, like here we go. Y'all care about money too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. The scene, oh yeah, the when he burnt the money, he was like, "It's not about money." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He put that pencil on the joint, right? <laughs> like he put the pencil on the table, and then he slammed Buddy head like on the pencil and like just put him to bed, like go to sleep. And it was kind of like everybody in that room looked at him, like, "Yo, this dude moves." Much Wild. different. <laughs> Wild, bro. It set the tone for the movie, like yo, yeah, that open was killer too. Yeah, my my favorite shot was um when it was on the south, and you know you had the border trade in the background. You know, it's just that was just so iconic to me. Like you know, I'm like wow, like yeah. like like Mike said with the wacker drives. I'm like, this is some Chicago shit right here. Like it's one of those things. Like if you know, you know. Like you know, yeah. like you know, what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was a good one. That was a good one. Okay, so let's see. We got two more. Um, all right, so Mike, you actually answered this question already. So I'm gonna go straight to Sale. Sale, what would be your superpower? Because Mike said he would want to be Superman. So if you had the option to choose any superpower, any ability, what would you pick? Uh probably something versatile, like uh I love telekinesis, man. I just love mm -hmm. the whole being Matilda. able to stop yeah stuff with your mind and yeah. yeah i will go with that okay okay so we got captain kirk with the telekinesis the don can you imagine a mafia don with superman powers like like 
That's it's, a good thing, it's a good thing Michael Corleone didn't have that ability. <laughs> like he would have like just never stopped. You know, what I'm he never would have stopped. He never would have stopped. Um. Okay. All right. Cool. So the last question, which is you know obviously, is always going to be asked. I'm sure y'all get asked this a million times in y'all regular lives. You know, but y'all gonna answer it once more. When it comes down to it, when the chips are down, Marvel or DC? Mm-hmm. When the chips are down, who you, you know? I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I favor Marvel. I know I do. Um, <laughs> as I've grown, of course, I, I've been leaning towards some DC stuff. But you know, my heart of hearts, Marvel is what got me started. Half of my collection was X Men and Spider Man, so <laughs> I got an affinity towards those. Um, characters for sure so i would say marvel that's tough that's that that question gives me a lot of trouble on the on the podcast learn the word i i will it's complicated man i can say <laughs> i can say marvel when we talk movies and dc when we talk comics to me dc has better comic storylines some of my favorite stories kingdom come and and, and infinity crisis and i can name just a, a short list of others like DC has a lot of great storytelling in the comics that don't always translate well to the movies. Marvel has a ton of comics, ton of storylines. They're not all that great. There's some that are really great, and then they have amazing. They have amazing movies. <laughs> so uh, for me, if I had, if you had to pin me to one, I would probably pick Marvel just because of the movies and the amount of content. But but I don't want to discount DC. If you read their comics, man, they got some amazing writers over at DC. Yeah, I mean, I will say the animated films I've seen from DC are very solid. Like, oh, great, very solid. Like the story, it's kind of like how y'all can do this, but y'all can't do that. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like That's the writing be the writing be damn near Oscar worthy in those animated films. But y'all got look. I mean, I can say this because it's my podcast. Y'all don't have to agree. Y'all don't have to say nothing. But I feel like Black Adam was trash. Okay, the action was amazing. The action was amazing, though, you know, and I feel like that's that's why they had the rock. But it's just I feel like the writing was like really mid tier. And again, that's just my opinion. Y'all ain't got to speak on that because I know, uh, that, you know it was. I, I mean, it was more entertaining than what I thought it was going to be. I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be trash before I even walked in the theater. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, man, it was like, oh man, it's kind of entertaining. I didn't expect much. It's kind of like okay, benefit from that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The action was in there. The story wasn't amazing, but yeah. and the rock wasn't compelling. It was just like, man, he's he he's just being himself. Yeah, he was just, <laughs> he was just being Dwayne. I feel know? like at one point he thought Triple H was gonna come out or something. Bro. Like that. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, the rock, like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm gonna be me. I'm making yeah. bucks, yeah. man. And I'm gonna do this in every every opportunity I get. Yeah, me and my mom went to see it, and like my mom. Obviously, she don't know shit about shit. You know, she just likes action, you know. Yeah, but yeah. you know it's bad when somebody who don't know shit about shit, they just want to see a movie. It's like, yeah. I don't see <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she just wanted to go see action. She ain't care about anything else. And when she said that, I'm like, damn, it's bad. You know, it's bad. And that's what irritates me about DC. Because, yeah, it, it, can, it can do some great action sequences and stuff like that. But the writing... Has to me in their movies suck so bad when they have such great source material. You talk about them animated movies, man. Like some of the best written content that that translates to animated films that are just great. The animated series like Justice League, great. Even some of their TV shows, like I watched. Uh, um, what's what's the one? Titans. Um, oh yeah. 
Yeah. Like great, great shows, but just yeah. cannot adapt that to film for some reason. I don't understand. I, although I will make some notable exceptions. Joker was good, uh, a really great. I thought uh, the thought that first was Wonder good. Woman was good. The first Superman under Zack Snyder was good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Aquaman wasn't bad. It was decent. Uh, now it's turning into a blur the word episode. Now let's not. gonna say that for y'all for y'all four. Man. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, just to wrap up, man. Like you know, is there anything else y'all want to add? You know, the fact that y'all really achieved this goal, and you know, obviously it's not over with. Y'all still want to keep pushing, keep ascending. Like, what else would you like to tell those out there listening? You know, about this journey and just about you know the comic book world as a whole, as a black person, black man, black woman. You know, I, I think that as much emphasis as we put in our community on understanding our past and understanding our history, I think it should be equally important that we imagine our future. And the best way to imagine our future is to think about fantasy, what what has not been done, what could be created. Um, I think from that perspective, I just would encourage anyone that's listening, that, that has an interest in learning more about fiction, uh, whether it's through the medium of comics or, or manga or just, you know, novels or TV shows, you know, movies to just, you know, allow your allow your mind to go there and ask yourself, you know, like what what would a future the, the fictional character look like in my image? Right. Like just allow yourself to explore and encourage your kids too. I mean, like I tell people all the time, like for me, um, fiction was never as encouraged. Right. It was like all one of those things people expect you to grow out of at some point. If you got a kid, you know, somebody who's growing up that's interested in that, let them lean into it. There's a creative side to everything that we do, uh, whether it's in business or in our personal lives. You know, that creativity is as important as, you know, learning, reading and math and arithmetic to me. Like just investing in in creativity, imagination and fantasy is hugely important. Then the last thing I'll say real quick before I turn it over is if you're in the Chicagoland area, Come buy from us. Like, come, come to the store. The, the Blurs Underground is located 15 and a half South LaGrange Road. I know it's weird having a half an address, but it, it is what it is. 15 and a half South LaGrange Road in LaGrange, Illinois. Come, you know, come shop, see the store, uh, give us your feedback. If you have a cousin, an uncle, somebody that you know has a collection, we buy collections. Sell them to bring their books in. We'll buy them, we'll sell them. Um, but if you've got a kid that's going to see the movie, you want to pick up a comic form or whatever, we sell toys, we sell action figures, come and check us out. Come and shop for us, support what we're trying to do. And um, and last but not least, man, I just want to thank you, Twiz. It's been um, a great, our friendship goes back almost 10 years plus now at this point. It's been great seeing your success, um, you know, as a podcast host, as, as a photographer, a videographer, a, a best-selling author, and everything else that you've accomplished, man. I'm enormously proud of you, my brother, and I thank you for sharing your platform with us. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, I don't know. I just think about this line from uh this is <laughs> this is us. Uh he was talking about how 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 we how we saw life as like kids, right? And we saw it as, for example, if a five-year-old brought you a drawing and they they was drawing a whole fifth-year life, right? They just was some draws. They was killing it. And they just trying to show you pictures and they trying to show you these images that they created. You think about the molding that happens. That's 20% of their life, right? Mm-hmm. 20% of their life at five, right? And it's such a, as we get older, the less we tend to dream or 
things don't move as slow yeah. for us yeah. because we live so much life. And so like really capitalizing on like what Mike was saying, like, y'all, we got kids around us all the time that's trying to show us something, trying to give us an entryway to what they're doing or what they're interested in. It doesn't have to be drawn. It doesn't have to be comics, but it's something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, how how are we embracing that? And a lot of parts of will make this store intriguing for me. I know it's a lot of youth out there that's just looking for somebody to look at their picture in a non-dismissive way whatever that picture is, you know, so really channeling that part is important, but also, you know, looking at you twiz, me and Mike, like we simply are doing things that we care about. And if anybody going to take anything away from like this conversation, it's really not about the store per se, even though that's why we on this platform right now It's more about like how, we got to this point just from doing us, mm. right? Like, <laughs> like we're really just here because we're doing something that's, that brings us comfort and that has brought us comfort. And we always stuck with it, uh, whether it was going to give us some, some results that's financial or not. Like, we still can stand here very happy yeah. investment that we made no matter where it lands do we got big old dreams heck yeah you know what i mean but that part living out is cool but just doing it like right now means 10 times as much because it's kind of like you know step out step out and do something that you care about yeah don't care about like the outcomes of it care about like that first step and be cool with it and embrace it and nurture it the same way we look forward for those kids that I was telling y'all about earlier. Like you're going to show it to somebody, somebody going to look at that picture and they're going to be like, dang, like, how can I invest in this? You know what I mean? How can I push this? Uh, but I really encourage people to do that um, for the little ones that's around them. You never know what's, what's going to come of that for them. And if you got a little brother or a little sister or somebody that you mentor, treat it the same way as that and it's, to the sentiments Mike gave as well um to is like it's it's really amazing like I'm looking at all three of our faces on the screen it's it's pretty mm-hmm. yeah. cool yeah. Yeah. Uh, that people sit in a small room uh AAS meetings and all that stuff and mm-hmm. partying together on Thursday night socials and all that stuff mm-hmm. uh, getting to a point where all of all of our passions connect like that's that's pretty damn dope like nice. to watch twist from afar and watch him in action even your interviewing skills bro like like you thorough amazing dude man so thank you for having us on this platform as well thank you fellas i appreciate y'all man captain marcel kirk and michael the don davis Blurs Underground is located at 15 and a half South LaGrange Road in LaGrange, Illinois. So whenever you get a chance, stop by, check them out, buy a comic or two. And if you can't get there physically, no worries. They do have a website, which I included in this episode description. So if you like this episode, please pass it on to somebody else that may benefit from it as well and may enjoy it. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button on YouTube or whatever platform you're listening to it on right now. If you enjoyed this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on right now, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, etc., leave a five-star review and a comment. Let us know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe to our sister podcast, Mogul Motivation, from True Stories Media.